Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we share the best of The Kindness Project over the years, part two. Welcome listeners to The Kindness Project. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Dames. Joining me today is Charlotte Dames. How are you, Charlotte? You forgot to use the funny intro, that's the funniest part. I'm... I'm trying to do a professional introduction to the Kindness Project. Since this week, I'm I'm bored of our shambolic nonsense. And shame on that! <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Right, there's somebody listening to the podcast who was going, "Oh look, they're speaking really quietly this week. I'm going to turn it down a bit or turn it up a bit, and then suddenly you just go, shame on not. Um, welcome, listeners. I, I did look. I did try, okay? I did try to make it a little more professional, but obviously Charlotte doesn't want to do that. So, so, um, what? um yeah, true. So, um, I have, <laughs> oh, like the Concord reference, high five. Um, I'm joined by a girl whose favorite word is shame. It's Charlotte Dames. Um, and I joined by the father of the dad jokes. <laughs> it's Chris Dave. Oh, God, I love that. I, my, the best dad, dad joke is obviously the pun, isn't it? The pun is the best dad joke ever. What's your favourite pun? Cheese puns. They're just unlimited cheese, <laughs> cheese puns. Cheese puns. Very specific. Cheese puns. Um, I I like cheese puns, but I used to I used to not like them. I didn't give an e damn. Oh, we're not having that. I think cheese puns are brilliant. No, are we having that? No, we're not. Okay, that's fine. Um, so so. Uh, you, why do you like the word shame? <laughs> what, where funny. did that come from? Funny, because we've had this conversation about um, er- er- inappropriate responses to someone telling you they loved you, and the first thing that came into my mind was shame. <laughs> and what other inappropriate responses uh, did you have to somebody telling you that they loved you? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, right? Okay. Um... So does your mum. So that was your one. Because <laughs> uh, we, we kept playing this game while we were on holiday and actually annoyed mum a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I just, and I was like, right, I'm going to get dad to do one. I'm like, oh, I love you. And he just goes. So does your mum. But that's true. That is true. You love me and mum loves me. So that's that's all good. And I love you both too. I, I've got, we were talking about this the other day. I think one of the kindest thing you, things you could ever do is just spend the time every day making a conscious effort to tell the people who are closest to you, shame. I mean, no, no. no how uh, much you uh, care about uh, How much you're embarrassed of them. No, how much how much you love them. Just the sit those three simple words I love you I think just uh, and I know it's really weird because I know that like you roll your eyes sometimes and uh, you turn around and go and Sophie goes dad I know I know I know you keep on telling me and there's a reason I keep on telling you I don't want you to ever forget 
that I love you. So I might, I might, I might change your habit to once a day, to once every fifteen minutes. I might just kick the door down in your classroom <laughs> and go, Charlotte, love you. Send me a text. <laughs> like, if you want to send me a text, I will feel the vibration and know what you were saying. You don't take your phone to school, do you? Yeah. What, into classes? Yeah, it just stays in my pocket on silent. Are you allowed to do that? Yeah. Since when? As long as you don't take it out of your pocket and use it in class, you're allowed to have it. Are you really? I thought you had to sort of put in some sort of black hole when you went into school and... You just kind of pull it out. It's just like... I have, I have this magical black hole thing I can just put my bag in and yeah. don't have to carry it. I can just kind of reach in. You're being very expressive this week for a podcast. It's like, it's like looking at a musical. I love <laughs> um, a musical. Yeah, The Kindest Project, the musical. Um, oh, that would be a lot. So, so, would we like to do the jingle for? <laughs> Question of the podcast. So this question of the podcast is, what's your favourite animal-related story? Now, considering my experience with swans recently, I thought that might be an interesting one. So what we'd like to hear, listeners, is experiences where you've um, got into an altercation with an animal, if you've sort of annoyed an animal, if you've had an animal save you and do something really good. Any kindness-related animal story is good, but also any funny-related animal story would be really useful so hit us with your animal related stories hit us with your best shot hit us with your best shot of goose I don't know whatever whatever extra points for unusual animals if anybody comes out with a koala related animal story they uh, they get bonus points I chased a peacock around the zoo the other day <laughs> the other day you make it sound like you do it all the time I, you know what happened the other day chased a peacock around the zoo how did that happen uh, the, I think they were just wandering around the zoo when we were in Italy and it and its babies were kind of walking around and I just kind of walked around behind them <laughs> so taking pictures of them so you didn't really chase it around you joined its family <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh by the way I'm, I'm now a peacock <laughs> Charlotte we're going now I am now a part of the peacock family. I will not be coming home to England. I'm going to stay in Italy and be a peacock. They will lock me in a cage eventually, but I do not care. I get to be with my new family. <laughs> oh. So what? What? on that note, and this isn't a question of the podcast, but if you'd like to ask, ask, answer it, listeners, you can. If you could join a family of animals and live with them for a little while, what animal would you pick? Beavers. Beavers? Why beavers? They live in a stream. I could just swim them out and pack that down yeah, with those twigs. Yeah, but they work hard. Oh, my teeth are going to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick monkeys. You've got to go for monkeys. I'd be like the Diane Fossey of London Zoo. What? <laughs> Have you never seen Gorillas in the Mist? No. Oh, Charlotte, you've got to give it a watch. Is it like Rise of the Planet of the Apes? No, it's not like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It's a story... Is it like Rise of the Planet of the Apes? It's a story of a lady who um, did loads of... Called Diane Fossey, who did loads of conservation work with uh, gorillas in the mist. And... There were poachers. Uh, watch a watch a movie. It's an awesome, awesome film. Uh, and on. Welcome to the Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl with the most selfish dog in the world. I mean, can't you see we're trying to do some work? And I'm joined by a man who looks great in fake makeup. What? Where's that?
that from? No, I'm trying to make a reference to the whole photo booth thing, and I just oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So if you, in case you don't know, um, Charlotte and I have just come back we from just, Japan. We took, a jo- we took a jolly jaunt. Is that what you'd call it? A jolly jaunt. Uh, it was jo- it was jolly. I had a, I had an amazing time in Japan. Um, apart from the last two days where we were virtually ch- travelling all the time, and the only line that you seemed to remember was, "I just want to be at home now. I just want to be at home, and I get it. I just want to go now. Yeah, I know. I know. We're at Copenhagen Airport. I just want to go. We're at Heathrow Airport. I just want to go now. We're, yeah, we're at home already, Charlotte. I know. I know. But it just feels too long. And then the journey back did seem like a long, long time, didn't it? <laughs> 11 and a half hours and then another hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was long. It was long. But the trip was amazing. Mm-hmm. What was your favourite bit? Ooh, um, the tech and the flowers. The tech and the flowers? Yeah. What do you mean the flowers? <gasps> you know we went to all those like shrines and temples and places? You know we went all to say, oh yeah, don't worry about the shrines. Don't worry about the ancient history stretching back. They no, you know what? They were amazing. I I enjoyed the bamboo forest. That was really really good. Um, you, not not keen on the bamboo forest. Well, like two pictures in that bamboo forest. Everywhere else, I got like twenty. Okay, and are we judging the validity of our good places by the amount of pictures you take? Yeah, because it's about how how many pictures it's worthy of taking. Oh, fair enough. Okay, good. Well. So we've been to Japan, we came back, and your dog is still an annoying dog. I mean, it's part of the family, we love him, but as soon as we start to record the podcast, he seems to want to have a little bark. Have a yap at the window. A little yap at the window. Have a yap at the door. Yeah. Where's he going to yap at next? Our faces. <laughs> um, I feel a bit out of practice, do you? Yeah. It feels like we haven't recorded a podcast for weeks, and the reason being is because we haven't. <laughs> So this might be more shambolically nonsensical than usual. We're out of practice because this one is going up. When is it? A couple of days before. Yeah, we 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 front loaded all recording all the other podcasts. Um, so we. Uh, oh, we've just we, been putting this one off. We 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 need we need to get back at it and and, and get in front of it as again, really, don't we? But we it's it's all good. But we've still got loads of amazing interviews to come up. Um, some interviews from uh, people who have got Netflix shows on kindness, people who help um, uh, a person a month, um, every single month, doing something good, and just some amazing dudes and dudesses. Is that a word? Dudettes. Dudettes. Um, who do good stuff in the world that we want to share the story. So we're going to be doing a lot more of that. However... We can't, we can't miss the most important part other than the introductions of the introduction. Other than the introductions of the introduction, what's the most important part? <gasps> question of the podcast! Woo! And the question of the podcast this week is... You didn't add the woo. <laughs> the question of the podcast this week is what's your most favourite man-made structure in the world? So is it the pyramids? Is it <clears throat> uh, the Tower of London? Is it the Burj Khalifa? Is it the Shard? Is it your mum's house? Is it somewhere that that is really, really close to you? What is your... May I 
has pretty sense. Yeah, but it's not as good as the, like the shard, is it? No. <laughs> it's like my favourite place in the world. So like, is it? Yeah. So your favourite man-made structure in the world would be your house? My favourite place in the world, why would I be anywhere else? Yeah, I know, but you don't like turn up at your house and go, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I go, wow, amazing, that's home, I take a break now. Fair enough. Apart from your house, and more specifically your bedroom, um, where's your... Yes, my bed is the most amazing man. Where... I sleep in it, I live out of it. Where is your favourite man-made structure? What is your favourite man-made structure and why? I don't know. I like... Over at the, the Elizabeth Park, the, the, the tall red thingy. The orbit. Yeah, you go noom down. You go noom down? Yeah, you, you zoom down it. Do you noom down it or do you zoom down it? You zoom down it. <laughs> What's a noom? <laughs> I noom down it. Um, I liked that. Uh, yeah, and I like the fact that they have installed a slide. I think they should install a slide on more, more big buildings. Yeah. Like a slide down the shard would be amazing. <laughs> Um, well, I, I can't think... I mean, I've been to... I mean, look, Japan had loads of really good ancient architecture, didn't it? Tokyo but, Sky Tree... That's not ancient. Uh, but I'm, I'm just naming some structures <laughs> now. Uh, yeah. The Sky Tree was decent. That um, transport... Transmission place with the giant... There was just a giant circle in the middle of the... Bu- at the top of the building, right there. Just like... Yeah, but but they the London London has got some amazing buildings as well. One of my favourites is the Gherkin, and I think they should name more buildings after foodstuffs. I'd like to see. They do it in London though. <coughs> they just name their buildings after random objects like the shards. <coughs> well, the, 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 the Gherkin, the cheese grater. I'd like to see the Orbit um, uh, in the Olympic Park renamed. The Slippy Slide. <laughs> the Slippy Slide's not a bad move, actually. But I, I think uh, they should rename it in tribute of the old cho- chocolate bar, the Curly Whirly. <laughs> Just call it the Curly Whirly. And I think we should go about... I still love the Curly Whirly. Do they still do Curly Whirlies? Still curly Whirlies. Yeah, I've gone off Curly Whirlies a bit, but I like the words together. Curly and whirly. So that's amazing. So what we'd like to know, um, dear listeners, is what's your favourite man-made structure or construction in the world? What is it? That always surprises me. What? Freddo's used to be 10p. I don't know why. I don't think you were born when Freddo's were 10p, were you? No. What's what's the least you've ever paid for a Freddo? 20p. 20p? That's inflation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That is inflation. I, 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 we might have some comments on the podcast on this, but did you... I asked you a question the other day. That's 30p now. 30p? Yeah. Oh, right, I'm not buying Freddo's anymore. What, um... What, was it, what thing has increased in price the most? And I said to you, I think it might be computer games. Because when I was probably a bit younger than you, I used to go in to a shop and buy a game for 99p, and now it's like 60 quid to buy a game. And I can't think of anything (coughs) that's gone up that much. Like 40,000 or something, isn't it? Yeah, so it was about 6,000%, wasn't it, we we worked out? Freddo's have gone up 
I know, but that's not 6,000%, is it, darling? So is there, listeners, help us with this one, is there a product or a service, apart from my clients might say my fees, uh, that's gone up um, quite a lot of money? Um, Don't know. What do you think? Probably. You you didn't do your research, did you? No. I was very tired. (laughs) I was like 12. I offered a cash incentive as well for you to do that, but you. I mean, I googled it and nothing came up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was it? Life of a fifteen-year-old. What research did did you do? I googled it, nothing came up. I left it. <laughs> End of. <laughs> um, as we've got you on, normally we get the chance to read out your um, the silver linings you mention every day for us uh, on the on the podcast. Um, but as you're here, instead of us doing it, we, why not get the man himself to do it? So, Dave, what are your yeah. silver linings of the day? Oh, excellent. Well, uh, silver linings for Tuesday the 5th of May are over 50 cast members from um, the Queen musical We Will Rock You uh, have got together online and filmed uh, a video version of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, amazing. Which is absolutely spectacular. And they've got Brian May involved uh, to play the guitar on it as well. So uh, just look it up on um, YouTube. um, On My Silver Linings, there's a link through uh, whatsonstage.com. But it's absolutely brilliant. It's a proper mega production from people recording at home and and the, i mean the theater has really stepped mm. up their game i mean i, I know that um uh, on uh, john krasinski's some good news show they had the cast of hamilton didn't yeah. they that was really and really then the good. cast of hamilton did um the spin the, i want to be in the, the zoom, zoom where, where it happens, happens. Yeah. that was good that was good but yeah that, and they, are they have you watched a couple of live shows as well what did you watch uh, Jamie or something else? We tried to watch Jamie, but they took it down. We watch Rent. Rent's live online now. Yeah. Well, not live, obviously, but it's online now, so you yeah. can watch it, and it's really good. Um, me and Mum always cried. We just sat and watched it. Yeah, it's quite uh, a sad story, yeah, then, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so so, so that's good. Um, what else has been going on in the, in the world of Silver Linings, Dave? Uh, well, the second Silver Lining today is... Um, and I picked this one specifically because I knew you guys would be talking about art this morning. Okay. Uh, so the the Tate Modern, obviously closed to the public at the moment, but they've uh, got a, an Andy Warhol and an Aubrey Beardsley exhibitions running at the moment. So they've just uh, last month put up on their YouTube channel a, a virtual tour of both those exhibitions. Oh, I love it. It only, take, it only takes about seven minutes. But if you're into your modern art, and I have to say Warhol's uh, stuff is, is 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 great, could be inspirational for you, Chris. Uh, yeah. But yeah, have a look on YouTube, have a look for the uh, Tate Modern channel and uh, take a little talk. Yeah, and the Tate, funny enough, the Tate do some amazing stuff mm. on their YouTube channel. So if you do like art, or you're a rank amateur like me, but you like looking at art, uh, give it a go, because it's it's certainly worth doing. So, what did you think of the first stage of the interview? It was good. I can't wait for the second bit. Sounds good. Should we do the end of the show? 
Mark, first of all, thank you for joining us on the Kindness Project. I really appreciate your time. How are you doing today? Yeah, really good, really good. Um, uh, it was a, a few months ago that I first listened to one of your uh, Kindness Project um, webcasts, and I, I scratched my head and tried to work out what it was all about. And, uh, <laughs> and now I find a few months later, here I am. You're on. So You're I'm, on. I'm, I'm fastening my seatbelt and getting ready to go. Well, you know what was funny? So I did, I, 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 don't, I, don't, know, I don't know if you heard, but I did the marathon on Sunday for St. Francis Hospice. Yeah, and um, uh, I went to one of their pasta nights on the Friday before the Sunday, where you get prepared and sort of get ready to yeah. go. And uh, Andy, who we've uh, yeah. friend of the podcast who we've had on from St Francis, was mentioning the podcast okay. uh, to the guys in the room. And um, uh, uh, the um, one of the one of the ladies messaged me this week to say. The, your podcast got me through the last 10 miles because I was just <laughs> laughing at how ridiculous you and Charlotte are. Um, but also, I so she was listening to Andy's episode. So it was, and because she had something in the hospice, it was quite pertinent for her to listen to those particular episodes. So it was like one of those where you go, you know, um, yes, it is a bit strange and, and it is um, it is quite entertaining for us to do. But um, if we could do a bit of good, if we can get somebody through a little bit of a marathon and share the stories of people doing great stuff in the world, um, that's what we want to do. Yeah, but Chris, talking about people doing great things in the world, are you running the, running the marathon next year? So I've got an email today and the, the ballot. <laughs> well, Kaz... we've, we've got a place with your name on it. Ah, oh, mate. Well, well look, I, 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 I might, I might have to consider it. I mean, I've, I'm going to put in for the ballot yeah, tonight. Great. Yeah. Um, and um, I'll see how I get on. But um, right. the challenge isn't actually the day because the day is amazing. You know, yeah. The day is you know running around. You know, the, the I've done, but I did Paris in 2017, and um, uh, the difference between the way that Londoners treat the marathon, Parisians treat the marathon, is chalk and cheese because right. Parisians are very sophisticated and clap from a cafe about 100 yeah. metres away from the run. Londoners are really active and engaged and, yeah. and, and involved um, and love that. The challenge you've got with the marathon is the training because the training takes up so much of your time during the run up. Yeah. Um, uh, it is um, it is it is interesting, but thank you for the offer. Um, uh, I'll see I'll see how the ballot gets along, and uh, I, I, I might I might take you up on that. Um, um, so um, we're not here to talk about me. Uh, I, I want to hear about you. So tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so personally, um, um, I'm uh, of mature years. So you're a youngster by compared to me. What do you and... What do you consider mature? Well, uh, well, mature. You know, it means overripe, don't <laughs> <you>? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sixty-six. So I'm forty-four, and I don't know whether mature applies to me yet well, or not. To be honest, yeah. Well, it's all about growing old, disgracefully, <laughs> isn't it? And um, so um, I've uh, got a quite a large family. We've got a family of uh, seven children. It's a blended oh. family, which is uh, always interesting. And um, have six grandchildren now, so kept busy with that. And um, for the uh, the past six years, I've worked at First Step. It was my second charity job. Um, 
<clears throat> I uh, had worked in business and uh, general management and sales roles for most of my career. And as I sort of was appearing, reaching the fern final furlough, shall we say. Yeah, the next uh, step was in yeah, the, the next step, sector. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went to first step. Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I was, um, I first went to a school as a business manager because I thought that would be a bit like a not-for-profit. Yeah. Um, and that was an interesting time. And, um, and then I moved to, I had to step down to, a, a middle management role in charity in order to step back up as a CEO role and I've been at first step now for six years CEO, my wife says that it's I've got a nerve to call it a job because most people would pay to do what I do well and I mean far from wrong I mean that that phrase you know the um you know uh working forever like doing something you love you know you know a job is a job only if it feels like work you know and if you're yeah. doing something that doesn't feel like work you can sort of uh carry on probably a bit longer than you um than than you would if if you hated it um tell me a bit about the blended family how, how old are the kids what's the range of the kids well our kids range from um you said thinking carefully 27 up to uh 39 okay uh, so they're all offhand and um, uh, my wife Sharon, um, uh, uh, we uh, we haven't got any of the children together. We sort of collected them along the way, yeah. And, um, and it's great. We're a bit like the League of Nations um, in terms of covering all religions, races, and uh, yeah. um, well, I'm not sure about orientations yet, but um, it's a it's a truly blended family, and they get on well, and um, it certainly keeps us on our toes. Keep so Christmas in your house is going to be busy, right? Yeah, well, we made a decision a couple of years ago um, that um, uh, you may say this is a bit pessimistic, Chris, but I said to Sharon when we, we had just turned um, 60, 60, 60 then it was, and I said, look, if we're lucky, we've got 15 years of being able to do pretty well much of what we want to do, and then it's lack of the gods. And so for the last six years, we've been trotting across the country over the Christmas weekend to spend time with everybody. Oh, and, amazing. Uh, so that's really good. So it's um, Christmas Eve with one family, Christmas morning with another, back for Christmas lunch with somebody else, with another section of the family, okay. and then Boxing Day with another. So we oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Geographically, how spread out are they? Um, as it, well, it, it keeps altering because whether they're at university or where they're working, but um, yeah. we've got a couple that live close to us, mm. and then we've got um, uh, one daughter that lives up in um, Northamptonshire, Corby, and then another one that lives in Thaxted. Um, yeah, yeah. Another daughter that lives round. So a lot of time in the car over the Christmas exactly, period, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And I think while you can do it, you want to do it. Yeah, great. I mean, and one of the. What, one of the big things for us, particularly during the sort of pandemic and particularly last year, Gaz's mum and dad, I mean, I, I lost my mum a couple of years ago um, and my dad's relatively local, but Gaz's mum and dad live in our brooks on the coast of Scotland. Oh, no. okay. And and you, you realise how important family is when you can't get to yeah. see them for 15, yeah. 16 months, don't you? So yeah. we've had a trip up, they've had a trip down this year um, and we are as you say i think you get conscious that you need to make a particular effort as people get older um yeah. and and yeah we've we've talked about that quite a lot um and and tell me just i mean we'll talk certainly talk about footstep tell me how your experiences in business 
help you now you know you've let you know you've had a varied career mm. you're in a position where you're now in the in the third sector Jarrett sector how, how do you reckon your work in you know corporate and commercial organizations has helped you yeah really interesting question i think that um i think i've always worked in small and medium-sized companies and i think working in a small and medium-sized company is excellent preparation for working in the third sector and charity because you have to be able to do everything right. and um so i think that would be point number one and i think that when you're working in a uh, um and as i say i've not been uh, many, I, I mean, I've had a couple of stints running my own organisation, but while I've been an employ employee, um, I've been general manager, so I've not had the power of yeah. being able to direct staff completely. And I think what it helped me to do was to really focus and understand that um, people's motivation comes from inside. Yeah. And if I can, as a good manager, if I can actually understand the seat of what their drive and motivation is, and I can craft a job that works around that, yeah. then you've got a really successful arrangement and, and people start to enjoy what they're doing. Uh, it's, re it's really interesting. I think you're right. You know, that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation is something we talk you know in, in my day job as a financial planner we talk to our clients a lot about because you know that you know and weirdly extrinsic motivation is you know what people assume that money can buy you know stuff but actually people don't get up in the morning for that they get up in the morning for purpose and relevance and all of the stuff that drives them intrinsically um the weird thing is, even though I'm the sort of director of a business, Mark, as I said to you before the call, I think Russ is my boss most days because <laughs> he just like points me in the direction of what I need to do, along with a few other members of my management like team. Uh, I, I'll call them because uh, yeah, they they tell me where to pop up. That's right, Russ, isn't it? Are you going to pop up on an interview or not? He's going to stay quiet, Mark. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I, I, He's very true, isn't it? Because, um, and I think the other thing that the small business does for you, it makes you incredibly flexible because yeah. you have to roll with the blows and you have to grab opportunities where they're there and you have to solve the crises yourself because yeah. there's no other person to actually do that. But you know, you know what? I mean, it was really interesting. I was speaking to somebody yesterday um, uh, about politics and it's somebody involved in politics. Um, and they said to me, um, uh, uh, I, I, they, they were a little bit frustrated and they said the challenge you've got with politics is trying to get stuff done is trying to wade through treacle because actually every time you want to get stuff done, you're in a position where you find yourself uh, things being lost in the mix because you've got yeah. to ask 12 committees to get stuff yeah. done and then it just takes it and then you've got a hundred different motivations yeah. uh, even though your uh, thing might be positive and then that starts to make you a little bit more cynical I like I, I get that sort of in our little spheres of influence we might have less control and I can't make political change but I do get up every day being able to make decisions and get stuff done and that, to me, is feels more suited to my personality than potentially, yeah. you know, sort of getting really frustrated 
yeah. not being wanting to do something positive and 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 not being able to get it done. So I suppose it depends on your personality a bit because I know that some people business ownership is their idea of hell. You know, yeah, all the absolutely. responsibility, all the autonomy, all the choice. Um, but for me, I think I think eleven years into running a business now, um, I've I've passed the point of unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, I, I did, I've got to take issue with on something you said, and I know I'm not supposed to do that as a person being interviewed. No, please don't. But, but you said you, we can't change the world. We can. You're actually doing it right now. We change the world one person at a time. And the Kindness Project mm-hmm. is actually focusing on uh, encouraging people to think a little bit outside of their immediate bubble. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I think you're right. We can't achieve wholesale change, but I think the great thing in our little spheres of influence is we can make a huge difference well, to the people yeah. that we engage with. That that's an absolute fair comment. And when I when I said that you can't change the world, you can't change yeah. countrywide policy, but you can. I, I'm a fan of Stoic philosophy, and and one of the things about Stoicism is they say just focus on what you can control. Yeah. You know, contr- yeah. focus on what you can control and influence, and so don't worry about the rest. Um, and then you're in a position where, and as you say, if you, the idea of this podcast is how can we showcase the fact that there are amazing stories of incredible people all over the country doing yeah. brilliant stuff um, that we just don't get to hear about, see about. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell us about the amazing stuff you do at First Step. <laughs> OK, well, First Step is a charity that works with um, uh, families of children with special needs and disabilities, naught to 5. And um, we've been doing that for just coming up to 33 years now got to get used to that in October that's it it, it's 33 years and um, we we work with um, with families um, right at the start of their journey so when people typically come into us they are they're often quite in crisis um they have um they're nobody starts off um uh, the the steps towards having a family believing or thinking that they might hit a child with um special needs or disabilities and um either as the child is born or run up to it they actually become aware um that perhaps things aren't as they expected and um, the, the sad thing is, Chris, is that for those people, they often feel very abandoned by the world at large. They feel isolated and, and, and just really don't know which way to turn. So we can we occasionally have families that come in to see us during pregnancy when they've heard that they're carrying a child with a special need. And they come in to talk to other parents and to meet children who may have similar conditions to the baby that they're carrying. Um, and then we have another tranche of people that come in to us at about four months. So typically, um, those children are are people that have got their children got physical or medical difficulties. So they may have had a a problem during the gestation where they've been oxygen starved or there's oxygen salvation that occurs at on birth and perhaps giving rise to something like cerebral palsy. Um, They may have Down syndrome. 
that's either not been picked up or the parents decided to proceed through. And quite often they have a pretty traumatic uh, first four months of life because yeah. it's in that four months where it's really decided whether or not um, they will survive or not. So yeah. quite often they're going to the neonatal unit locally into Queens and then they bounce out to somebody like um, Homerton or St George's if it's a higher tier of need and then it could be right up to Great Ormond Street. So quick question one thing I didn't realise you guys did was <clears throat> support parents to just get their head around and speak to other parents like yeah. uh, like them so that they can cope better effectively yeah. talk to me a little bit about you know an experience of how that's worked well yeah um i, I think i'm i'm sort of uh looking up to the sky and thinking of the the the, the best example to pull together and the, and it's every every case is different yeah um but it, it is said that there is a there's a stage set there's a set of stages of grief that a family that have a child with special needs or disabilities go through right. and the, the 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 order with which they feel things is quite different but there is there are there are huge differences i'm, I'm thinking as i talk to this about um a particular family and um and and they came in i can remember i remember it clearly um they had they'd been with us in our family sessions they'd come into our as we were running them our preschool groups and this is the point when the child is a little over two that for the first time they're leaving mum and they're coming into the session by themselves okay which is is actually it's more traumatic for the parent than it is for the child right um, and uh, this little lad came into us and he was he had what we call social communication difficulties. We expected that he would be receive a formal diagnosis of autistic in time. Uh, and he came in and um, um, and uh, the, the mum was down in the parents room and Debbie, who's a my early years leader, spends those first few weeks when that's happening, running up and down with an iPad and, and giving them updates on what their children are doing. And so um, um, Debbie went down and said to, to mum, oh, yeah, he's very happy he's playing in the sun, sand. Mum said, no, you've got the wrong child. Right. And so Debbie said, hmm, OK, why did you say that? Well, he won't play with sand. We've never been able to go to the beach. Right. Um, he screams, goes into a meltdown. Now, Debbie knew immediately that she hadn't got the wrong child. And that was mm. because we had five white children in on that day and one black child. OK. So there was no chance of any mistakes. <laughs> she whizzed back yeah, it's down. probably quite difficult to yeah. get that confused. She whizzed right? back down, took a picture on the iPad of this, this young lad um, yeah. playing in the stand, took it down to mum, and mum just burst into tears. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't actually understand what potentially the the impact is to people um i mean we, we have a little bit of personal experience um my wife's eldest son um was diagnosed with asperger's ocd and add yeah. um second year in university doing mechanical engineering Gotcha. And and at that point, and um, uh, um, he, he he for a time was under suicide watch and all sorts of things that flew out from that. He had achieved all the way through school. He got yeah. eleven uh, A stars as they were in those days. But then, but then part part of that is 
us appreciating and 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 being more sort of understanding that actually difference doesn't mean worse you know different difference is actually can we utilize the skills and adapt our society to support people like that right yeah you're absolutely right and um and i love the positive slant you take on there what I would say, though, is for many of these families, and um, I'm, we're writing a, uh, a fundraising bid at the moment, and we talk in there about that people arrive at First Step and they're looking for the pill, the therapy, yeah, yeah. or the surgery that will it's cure their fix. Yeah, yeah. And, and sadly, in many cases, we can't. And I mean, there's not time for me to read it to you now. I'd love to, at some point, must give it to you. Um, but there's a great poem that was written called Welcome to Holland. And it talks about um, a, a family who have planned to go to Italy. Right. And they've, they've done their research. They've got their maps. They're going on the gondolas, all those things. Pisa is they're definitely going there. And they're on the plane. And they're just starting, would you please fasten your seatbelts because we're about to land in Holland. Right. And they say, Holland? We, we, we've not signed up for Holland. We're going to Italy. And it talks about the change that they have to go through um, very rapidly. And I think that's often the situation for parents. Yeah, yeah. That there's no planning for it. And even if you plan for it, it's still either harder or more difficult than you expect. Realise. Yeah. And, and what we've actually used in this fundraising bid that we're writing, we've talked about the first step, is that we're the customer care department in the arrivals lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what we're doing is, is starting to pick people up. And the one thing you can't do is you can't say to a parent, it's not as bad as you think it is. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, yeah you know? it is hard. And, yeah. and, and we, what we do is, is, is first step starts the process of walking the journey with that family. We don't approach it as being the experts. We have some expertise, but the trouble is, and I mean, you've got a couple of kids, I've got a few more, you know that you might have two children, but if you've got a rule book or instruction book with the first one, it wouldn't work on the second one. Well, first of all, nobody gives you a rule book. Yeah, you know, that's I think, right. Yeah. I think, and then number two, um, I, I, I mean, I mean, one of the biggest learns for me during lockdown was that I am definitely the worst homeschooling dad in the world. <laughs> um, um, but, but certainly, you you try your best, you try yeah. your hardest, you think you're doing the right thing, um, uh, but there, it, it's you know, it's one of those jobs that there's no perfect, is there? You know, you no. just do your best. Yeah, there certainly yeah. isn't. And and we we work, our founding principle that, that came through with our founders, Jill Hare and Margaret Williams back 30 years ago, was that nobody knows the child better than the parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of another podcast. And, and the end is never truly the end, for the end is only the beginning. Have you found the question and answer? I have got the question and answer. Nice. It's quite, quite a popular one. Um, uh, and we've got a bunch of comments on this one. So clearly it's one that um, uh, was incredibly, incredibly popular. Um, now, do you remember last week we were talking and we were saying uh, that there are some songs that we believe where the original is far better than any any cover version ever. I think Prince When Doves Cry is one of those songs. Mm. But we had loads and loads of answers. 
Um, and one of the answers was from Fiona Mapurgo, who said, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin um, is, oh, is copy it. band. And she's buying a bag for life from Tesco's. Um, uh, but Hart did produce a good effort. Um, Sam Chilton said, she disagrees with me about Prince When Doves Cry. Um, uh because there was a version in Romeo and Juliet that she thinks was better. Sam, you're wrong. I've listened to that version. It's not good, not as good as the Prince version. <laughs> Steve Dan said, Luther Vandross, never too much. Benjamin Fox said, Baha, man, who let the dogs out? Uh, I heard a, a, a rendition of that on tiktok the other day that i quite liked but uh, oh okay I, I, I yeah it was um it was from one of those uh it was the, where's the show where they do that thing where they're like oh we'll give you a song and a genre to do it in it was who let the dogs out but in broadway musical style what like um who, whose line is it anyway no no um jimmy hills no, I can't <laughs> remember his name. Hills. I can't remember his name. Who's Jimmy Hills? But he gives pe- he gets people on, and he does an interview with them, and then he gives them like little challenges. And oh like, yes, um, yeah, Jimmy Fallon. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, and they did one. It was Who Let the Dogs Out in Broadway Musical Style, and I can't remember who did it, but I really liked it. Sure. Um, Sean Atkinson said, uh, "Can I answer the other way round? Uh, Soft Cell was better. Um, Soft Cell did a better version of Tainted Love. Um, uh, that was better than the original." by Gloria Jones um, John Cook said there's three for him Simon and Garfunkel Bridge Over Trouble Water Beatles A Day in the Life and Rolling Stones Painted Black uh, Sam Strong said Gen- generally anything by the Beatles now the problem is the Beatles were such amazing songwriters there are a lot of Beatles covers and I've got to say some of them I like mm. um, uh, I like Jose Feliciano's mm. version of um, of a couple of beat songs. So, yeah. Sam Strong's also said, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge. Uh, many have thrived. Uh, Jay Jarrett said, uh, Never Touch Hotel California by the Eagles. Annie Flair said, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mamma mia, let me go. Um, <laughs> that was my version. <laughs> clearly, you, clearly, clearly my version... Clearly, my version's not going to be great. Were you great. expecting call and response? Yeah. Mamma mia, let me go. No. Beelzebub. Um, <laughs> uh, Phil Fitzgibbon said, Express yourself by NWA. Uh, Lucy Patrick doesn't like any cover version, unless it's her on karaoke. <laughs> Caroline Thompson said, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Uh, Hazel Gray said, Anything by Prince. Genius. Uh, Nathan Fry said Black by Pearl Jam. Uh, Deborah Meyer said Anything by Kate Bush. Glenn May said Anything Pink Floyd. Um, uh, Pedro Floyd said uh, Glad You Didn't Say Nothing Compares to You. Um, uh, Mike Christie said Three Lions. Um, uh, and Clive Farrell said Two Little Boys by Rolf Harris. Although Rolf Harris is a bit disgrace now so I um, don't think I'm going to be listening to that anytime soon and on that note why are we ending a, a podcast about kindness with a comment about Rolf Harris I don't know I don't that's, know. That, that's uh, uh, I, I can't I can't account for what our listeners send in uh, and on that note uh, it's the end of another podcast would you like to say bye Sophie bye bye would you like to say bye Charlotte and I'd like to say bye, have a lovely day, and we'll see you next time on The Kindness Project. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Bye.